Hi everyone, welcome back to Fire Another Film. Today we are bringing you our first top 10 of 2024, so happy new year for that. Um, I've been joined by Ollie, who is a veteran of these top 10 lists mm. and a veteran of everything else that we do. Michael, I think <laughs> this is your first top 10. I think you've done tier lists and everything else. Yeah. Um, is, yeah. I, I don't know if that makes a difference at all, but yeah. And we've been joined by Sam for the first time. You all right, Sam? Oh, yeah, you're right. Yes, that's it. That's how that's, that's it. Gravity, out is, of gravity is the form of wit. <laughs> Abrupt, done, out the door. <laughs> right. But Adam basically decided to craft a podcast guest that was the antithesis of me. Yeah. For <laughs> <laughs> the space of two guests, Ollie takes up 75%, Sam takes 25%. So we'll do, we'll do it that way. Um, right what we're going to do is we're just essentially going to give you our top 10 trilogies now this has caused a lot of contention in the group chat around about what constitutes a trilogy other than just three films that are in some way linked um i have made the rule that the cornetto trilogy doesn't count um so because i think to be fair we all would have probably had it in there somewhere Georgia um, was fuming at that rule as well, by the way. I mean, because it's not really a trilogy, is it? No, I agree. But I just like as soon as like she suggested it really excitedly, it's like, oh, you love that one. It's like we've agreed we're not having that one. And she yeah. was like, what? <laughs> yeah, the sort of the ruling was that it had to be a continuation of a story across three films and all that kind of stuff. And it'll make more sense when we get into it. Um, I've got five <laughs> honorable mentions and two sort of wild cardy ones. Um, just to mention and just to sort of throw out there, one of the wild caddy ones was the Cornetto trilogy, just as a sort mm -hmm. of thing of. If and you... the Christopher Nolan suit trilogy. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I didn't write that one down. Um, <laughs> Oppenheimer, Tenet, and Inception. Um, <laughs> if, if it, it, with the Cornetto trilogy, if you Googled something like top 10 trilogies, it comes it's up in every single list. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so yeah, it's, it much. is what it is. Um, my honourable mentions are um, El Mariachi, which originally was in my list, which is El Mariachi from 1993, directed by Robert Rodriguez, Desperado from 95, and then Once Upon a Time in Mexico from 2003. So I've never the, heard of El Mariachi before. It's the same main character running through all of them, but mm. the idea with El Mariachi is because it was Rodriguez's first film, I, I, I don't want to do this guy a disservice, but he, he was an unknown actor. It wasn't Antonio Banderas, but then when they did Desperado, that was when they cast Antonio, but he's playing the same character. So it mm. goes all the way through the three. Um, the Rush Hour trilogy was in there at one point. The Johnny English trilogy was in there at one point. No, it wasn't. Johnny English. That's an interesting one. Um, Back to the Future was in there at one point. Um, mm. Mainly because I do think the third one is just a bit meh. I can give or take the third one. And the first is the best, but yeah. Um, and then one that just fell out, purely because I can't do it, because as much as I love the first two, the third one is crap. It's Sam Raimi's Spider-Man trilogy. <laughs> like, as much as I love one and two, I can't put a trilogy in there for a really bad third one. I really struggled for trilogies, though, that where they, they were all good. Well, this is the thing that <laughs> yeah, I found in that. The the ones that went higher and higher up my list were all consistently good films, whereas the ones that are lower down have like a mid a middling sort of middle section, or there's mm. one film that really lets it down. My final wild card, so I can stop talking, um, is one again. If we were just if we were 
allowing everything to happen and allowing Cornetto to go in, this probably would have been either one or two for me. Um, it's Taylor Sheridan's American Frontier trilogy. Now, this is purely a trilogy that has been put up by him, and he wrote the three films in succession. So this is Sicario, directed by Denis Villeneuve in 2015, Hell or High Water, directed by David McKenzie from 2016, and then Wind River, which was directed by Taylor Sheridan himself in 2017. And the idea being that all three of these films take one element of what he refers to as the American frontier and puts it on screen and takes it through the narrative and the themes and all that kind of stuff. So if I was if I was allowing Cornetto, that would have got in my list. But that's where we are. Michael, you said that you've got some. Do you want to show you mentions? Yeah. Yeah. So I just, I just, I just based that there was some that like I feel that lots of people would put in their top ten, but I haven't seen. So I just wanted to kind of explain why I've not even considered them. Um. So it's obviously like The Godfather. I've not seen it. I know that's a sin to some people, but I've not I'm seen never it. Gonna see it either. So yeah. I don't have. You know, I've got like as many hours as Lord of the Rings needs, but I can't do it for The Godfather. <laughs> I tried. Um. Naked Gun. Um, I've seen enough bits of it. I feel like in the modern day, though, that's probably because I remember watching Police Academy again, and that's really problematic by today's standards. Like, I remember as a kid thinking this is really funny, and then watching it about a year ago, I'm thinking, oh, actually, this is a this might not be all right. Um, the original Mad Max trilogy, mm. because and it depends on whether you consider the new one to be a reboot. I'm pretty sure it is a reboot. Um, because he is Max in it, but it could technically be considered a prequel. Some people it's a said. common name as well. There's lots of people called Max. <laughs> true, Just by chance, true. this is a different Max. Yeah, Max. there's another guy called Max <laughs> in this same universe. But what are the chances that they'd both be mad? You know? I know. That's smaller, um, mediocre Max. <laughs> <laughs> um, how to train your dragon. I feel like, um, I've seen the first one, it's really good. Mm. Apparently, that continues through it. Uh, and Planet of the Apes because I haven't seen it, but apparently it's really good. Um, I have also not included any MCU in my top 10, Ooh. because I feel like the waters are a little bit muddied by the fact, because I would have put Captain America in, but because like, I feel like Iron Man is as big a character in that film as he is. Okay. You know I mean? And I feel like it sets up a lot of Infinity War, and there's just it's just too integral to the whole thing for me to consider that. I don't know. I, I just I avoided the MCU because it's it's not a, it's like seven trilogies in a way, isn't it? The original, or is it eight yeah. trilogies? The twenty one, twenty four. So I'm kind of like no, <laughs> I've avoided okay. them. Uh, Ollie, have you yes, got any would have made it. honorable mentions? I'm just doing some editing now because Michael's moved me on something. Oh, oh. he's moved you. <laughs> he's he's moved me. Um, so I'll be trade this... dragon to number one. Uh, that's it. I oh, think that's what's well, happening. How to Dream Your Dragon was something that I did consider because I have seen the trilogy and I love it. But I tried to, other than one glaring example where I thought I don't care, um, I've tried to keep it to almost one per franchise, which is something I like to just just for the sake of variety. Because I know if it were up to Adam, he'd have mainly MCU trilogies in there <laughs> wherever <laughs> possible. Um, I bit, actually, to be, to be fair, Ollie, that's really not true. <laughs> there's more of a thought about it I just thought, you know what, there's a lot of these just fall off so I put The Godfather as well uh, same reason, I just have, I've seen as I've seen, I've said off recording I've seen one and a half of The Godfather trilogy, 
Um, Back to the Future has already been mentioned as well. I just haven't seen enough of it. I love the first one. I think I've seen the second one. And yeah, but it's just, I, I don't have that emotional connection that like I know Ads has and I know that Gemma has with the Back to the Future films. I think they're really good, but I don't love them. Um, the X-Men trilogy as done by Brian Singer, just perfect casting. I think it was in my list originally, but it got bumped down. Um, one that I thought Adam might be surprised I haven't put in there, uh, Die Hard. Because I am treating that as a trilogy because Die Hard 4 came out however many years well, after the, the fact. The, but this is, right? this is the thing if, that if, doesn't count. If, A, I don't care, so shove it. B, if we're allowing the Star Wars trilogies to be separate trilogies because yeah. of the t- the space of time between them, then we're allowing it for Die Hard and other films like that, just by virtue of how much time has gone between them. So, but regardless, Die Hard didn't make it because I only really liked the first one. I mean, with um, a vengeance is good. It, it's good. I just, it feels so different because it's clearly like a different director and a different cinematographer. Like, it just feels like a very different film. Okay. I like it, but, and, and, <clears throat> Die Hard with a Vengeance kills my argument that Die Hard is a Christmas film. Because Die Hard is a Christmas Well, that's film. why I like it so Die Hard 2 is a Christmas film, but then Die Hard with a Vengeance is not a Christmas film. So, no. Um, I think I mentioned How to Train Your Dragon. Uh, Blade was originally my number 11, uh, my number 10. So the Blade trilogy. Um, and one that I have been moved to remove, because it is a very compelling argument, even though I do love it, and Adam is going to be sad that it hasn't quite made my list at this point, the Captain America trilogy from the MCU. I have replaced it with another MCU trilogy, though, and you can probably guess what it is now. You've replaced it with another one, so the other one wasn't already in your list. (laughs) Yeah, because, again, there was a weird little one per franchise thing that I was trying to get on, and I was tossing up between that and Captain America, and I landed on Captain America, but Michael just went, nah. <laughs> and it was a compelling and it was a compelling, well-reasoned argument why not to. Whereas this one, it's like, yeah, it is that one, isn't it? Well, I'm not so fickle, I'm not moving things around. <laughs> Sam, have you got any that just made your list? I've got a few, yeah, not like loads. I think I went off kind of the rationale of like I've probably not seen the third one to kind of pick it. So I've just kind of went with the ones that I've got. Obviously, the limited choices that we did have meant that some had to stay in. Um, so I've gone for Kung Fu Panda, as kind of Romero mentioned. I think it's got a great cast all the way through the films. I've just not seen number three. It wouldn't happen if we did this podcast next year, because obviously number four comes out this year. So it's just a great cast all the way through. Number one's a great, number two's just as good, but I've not seen number three, so I just didn't want to put it in there. And um, I think Ollie's just mentioned out of Train of Dragon. Again, kind of same rationale. Number one is beautiful. Number two is just as beautiful. But then I've just not got around to watching number three, probably because my kids are a little bit older. So I've just not got to see it. Um, one that I don't think has been mentioned, Oceans 11, 12, 13. Oh. I think um, they're quite quite a good set of films together. Um, I don't know if you count the Sandra Bullock one as a fourth one. I don't know, but it's definitely a different, a different spin-off. Nah, so, you, you can count um, that as a spin-off. That's fine. Yeah. So... That they would have made the list, but there was just other ones in there. And then what I was when I was literally compiling this last last, last night, the last one I just forgot about, and I really and I didn't want to then start moving the stuff about. So if there was an eleven. This would probably be eleven. Just the Star Trek with Chris Pine and first one written by JJ. 
Just that first Star Trek is absolutely <laughs> the lens flare insane. trilogy. The lens flare. Yeah, but again, I think it falls down on number three. Like number two is really good with Benavit. This is the badder. Um, but yeah, it just didn't. I just forgot about it, and then I just couldn't quite squeeze it in. Yeah. Right. Good stuff. Right, Ollie, you're going to kick us off for your number ten. Well, I am going to kick us off because I know you're going to disagree with the, with the notion that this actually counts. Um, because my number 10 is Indiana Jones. It, that doesn't sequels. count. That doesn't... Legacy... <sighs> right. At this point, George Lucas is involved. George Lucas is involved. So you know that there's going to be a sixth one. So you're going to have a sequel Indiana Jones trilogy at some point. So will be yes, dead before they get round to that. And I'm talking about no, Harrison Ford Ford's going to outlive us all. Harrison Ford is going to outlive us all. Like, death is going to be too scared to take him. Because he'll just fly a plane into him inappropriately on a runway or something. Like, those those original three Indiana Jones films, they're really, really consistent with quality. I personally am not a big fan of the second one. Because um, I just I like it when he kills Nazis, and he doesn't kill Nazis in that one. But I know that a lot of people very much swing the other way. They like... Uh, Temple of Doom the most out of all of them because it feels like the most dark, I guess, which I do appreciate. I just can't stand Kate Capshaw in it. But like, it really captures that kind of pulp adventure that George Lucas and Steven Spielberg were clearly fans of as kids. The casting, even though I don't like Kate Capshaw in that, she plays the part she is given very, very well. Um Kehoi Kwan being introduced to the world is great, and I'm very happy that he is back in the zeitgeist all of a sudden. Uh, side note, just finished season two of Loki, blown away. Um, but it's, it's in, it is Harrison Ford's most iconic role, which is mad when you consider his other contender for most iconic role, like him with the fedora, with his slight bit of stubble, it's peak beautiful Harrison Ford. Really fun, silly storytelling, especially when you consider that for the third and the first film, if he wasn't there, it wouldn't make a difference to the plot. The Nazis would get the artifact and then all die because they didn't understand it properly enough. But the action sequences are always fantastic, even in the second one, which I'm not a great fan of. The action sequences are great. Really good blending of camp and tension. Um yeah, just all round, really fun popcorn theater. Still contest whether or not it should be in here, but right. But um... I refer you back to my A from the pre uh, from the honorable mentions. I don't care, and I warned you on the chat that I was just going to pick what I want. So at that point, what's the point? I I thought like yesterday with that American Frontier trilogy, I thought another top ten is just for us just to make up right, trilogies. Right, mine aren't. Mine Let's aren't just, just like put loose... films together that might have one theme. No, because mine aren't them. weird thematic. Like it is a continuation of the story, at the very least. It's the same characters over wow. and over again. And you're just ignoring four and five. Yeah, because the crap. Well. <laughs> um, <laughs> To be fair, and Sam, you Sam mentioned this with Kung Fu Panda, that that wouldn't count next year because four's on the way. There's yeah. two of mine that next year can't be included yeah. in this list. <laughs> so it is what it is. Uh, right, my number ten, one that gets forgotten about. And to be fair, Ollie, I don't think you and Holly like this too much because we've mentioned like YA films and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Maze Runner. 
in that for for a series of three films, they are consistently very good. Now they're not groundbreaking or anything like that. In the pantheon of everything that happened around that time, it's kind of got forgotten about next to Hunger Games. But I think it did one better than Divergent did because we all agreed that Divergent just fell off a cliff. Um, the first Maze Runner is very contained, very sort of like um, it's very similar to Hunger Games in that they are essentially in a maze and they've all got to compete against each other and fight it out and all that kind of stuff. Scott's Trials again is that one that dips off, and there's a few of these in my in my list where the the middle kind of sinks a little bit, but then they pick it up towards the end. I really enjoyed Death Cure, um, but again, it was it was that sort of YA boom. And I'd not read the books. I didn't really know what to expect. I enjoyed it for what it was. And I think they're a pretty fine and consistent trilogy. Um, they were originally in my honorable mentions, but then I think I had Back to the Future at 10. But then just because I thought, to be fair, this is more consistent, I'm going to stick this. I'm surprised that you've gone with that, though, because the highs of Back to the Future are better. No, they than are. Highs. They are. And that's mainly from the first film. But then if we're talking <laughs> trilogies, we've got to go consistency above everything else. Like, I think, to be fair, landed... I've, I've never given Maze Runner a fair crack of the wit because I think I was just done with the whole... Yeah, I mean, it's oversaturated at the film. time. Yeah, 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 everything that came like, out Hunger, Ga- Hunger Games found it at the right time. It's like, it was like that period where everyone was trying to copy Harry Potter and I was just like, stop, you're not mm-hmm. Harry Potter. You never will be. You're not as good. Just Harry shut... Potter, but then having to force the romance in because of Twilight. Yeah. So it's that, that combination of the two. The the trilogy for me that's ended up at number two climbed up there yesterday as I was looking up the list because it was like, that is probably the most consistent trilogy of all the ones that I've got. Mm. Um, right. Michael, you're number 10. Uh, so my number 10 is going to go against your um, all three have to be consistently good rule. Um, <laughs> Don't worry, Michael. Most trilogy. of mine do that. <laughs> Uh, sort of most of mine's fair, but it's the Blade trilogy. Okay. Um, yeah. And although the third one isn't, so it's fun. Like you know, we've got Triple H playing himself. Yeah. Um, and it is a you know got um got his name Ryan Reynolds playing himself. That um, was but it is it's fun. films as well, wasn't it? Yeah, it was I think one. so. Yeah, and that kind of like we wouldn't have Deadpool probably had he not had that. Um. I don't know. I think I think overall the trilogy is like because Blade's quite consistent as a character. Um, that kind of like overly serious in this kind of not overly serious world. Mm. Um, and I kind of like that. I kind of like that they kind of um, is juxtaposition the right word where he's kind of like the opposite of everything that's going on around him because the vampires are very campy in the trait in the Blade trilogy. Too early this, we need to start mm. later. <laughs> um, uh, but no, I, I just really enjoy it. I was thinking, I kind of took this from a point of like, if I was picking a trilogy to watch start to end, I would watch all three. I wouldn't skip the third movie, whereas in some, I potentially would. Mm. Have you heard Patton Oswald talking about the third movie? I haven't, you know. No. Like, there's a really good interview, there's a really good couple of interviews he's given of just how much of a train wreck. Blade. Oh, no, the filming was. was about. 
yeah like cgi eyes and stuff yeah like so there's the scene at the end if for people who aren't aware blade well, is on the table and wesley snipes just refused to open his eyes so they had to cgi his eyes opening to show that he was still alive because wesley snipes just decided <laughs> he wasn't going to open his eyes Not ridiculous honestly didn't he punch david escoya at one point in the making of Probably. that and yeah, yeah he, he didn't do Patton well Os- for his career like he, he actually said pat uh, oswald is like i know it's not a good movie but when you know what it was like behind the scenes the fact that we came out with anything with a remotely coherent plot at all with remotely viewable action scenes at all is a miracle and like when you consider like it is it is bad but it is it is you know, you can tell that there is a story in there that they've kind of tried to follow. Um, and I actually like, like, the one thing I don't like about the third one is Blade. I actually like all the new, you know, the new yeah. vampire hunters. Like, that's quite, I'd rather follow them than Blade. I'd have rather Blade taken a back seat for most of that film and just followed um, Whistler's daughter and whatever Ryan Reynolds was called in her film. Yeah, the one that thing was... that I found going through my list again yesterday was I actually quite like a trilogy where the creative team have seen have stayed the same throughout. Because mm. with the Blades, yeah. like the first one felt very much like Spawn in that yeah. it's just trying to do that yeah. sort of R-rated superhero thing. And God, then, it did it well, though. Yeah, yeah, it did. But then Blade 2 is very much an, an early Del Toro film. It's like, this guy's going to go and direct creature features and he's going to go and do all this kind of stuff. And then the third one's just like, we've got this property, we've got to finish it off. You know, what? where do we go? What do we do? Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I like the first two. I really do. Um, Sam, what's your number 10? So I didn't know there was another rule that they all had to be consistently good. You just keep like throwing in rules there. It's not a rule. It's just something <laughs> that I'm sticking to. I have got our own separate version of what these trilogies are. I think mine's very much gone on kind of me as a person growing up, I suppose, and like going through like the ages of like how trilogy develop. And I think the first one is I'm obviously a bit older than all you. And I think the first one I've gone for is the Mighty Ducks. Yes. Kind of one, two and three. Um, <laughs> As like obviously they've now had a spin-off show that was on Disney Plus again. Still not watched that because again I think I'm just I'm just over it now. Like at the time, like anything to do with high soccer when a film came out, like Miracle came out and all that's like not the same franchise. But again, it's that kind of the same vibe. Um, it's a very it's a, again very young cast. A lot of people kind of went on like Elvin Edson was in there, plays Fenton. Kind of he went on obviously decent career. Obviously went on played Daredevil. He was in Daredevil. Didn't play Daredevil. Was in it. Um, Emilio Ezotev as his name mm-hmm. um, obviously plays Gordon who's obviously like kind of this coach who's obviously gone astray essentially and goes up against his former team in the first one and kind of obviously meets his ghost and kind of comes out the other end and then number two and number three kind of follow the same storyline it's like essentially the same film but kind of one two and three and I think at the time I think in England, there was a massive push of trying to get ice hockey across, especially in Manchester. I remember going watching Manchester Storm, kind of growing up. They were like, I don't know, you might have been a bit too far out in Oldham. I like, but live more in the city of Manchester. And they were like constantly giving free tickets out to kind of go and watch it. Like, so it was just like a time of like all, all my friends were into ice hockey. We all had rollerblades all in the street with ice hockey sticks and nets and stuff. So yeah, it just it just makes it number 10 just for, I suppose, pure nostalgia. 
That I, is a shout, to be fair. Yeah, I, I've not. I think I've seen the first one. I don't think I've seen anything past them. Which um, one's the one where they play the Iceland national that's team? Number two. Yeah, I remember that one really well. Go yeah. global. So again, it's, it's like almost like they chose Iceland because they didn't want to choose Russia because it was a kids' film. We've got to political in this Disney yeah. film, can we? Back <laughs> off on that one. Um, okay, doke. Right, number nines. I'm going to kick us off with my number nine. Uh, my number nine is Sam Raimi's Evil Dead trilogy. Um, so, oh, the, there's the face of, oh my God, I've realised that I've not included something. I forgot about the Evil Dead trilogy. Uh, so, 1981, the Evil Dead, and then you get to 87, and someone says to Sam Raimi, we're going to give you a budget, what do you want to do? And he's like, I'm just going to remake that first film again. So but also, it's Evil kind of Dead a sequel, two. and it's yeah, not really... It's obvious, weird. Yeah. It's, it's like a sequel, remake, don't really know what it is. I remember watching it and thinking, I'm sure I've just seen this. But then all of a sudden it goes bat-ass crazy. Um, and then my favourite one... Army of Darkness. Army of Darkness. <laughs> I, Army of Darkness is just another level compared to everything else. I'm I'm very intrigued to see where the recent ones go. Because I really, really liked the 2013 reboot, remake, whatever it is that you want to call it, Evil Dead. Yeah. And then I really liked last year's Evil Dead Rise. So I'm intrigued to see if they do another one. Um, but this was just like when I was coming up with the list, I kept thinking through again this idea of a consistent trilogy, and I went through my letterbox and I went through the films I'd given really high ratings to, and I think I'd given like Army of Darkness either a four, no, it probably is a four. I don't think it's a five. And then Evil Dead popped up next to it, and I thought, oh, actually, yeah, this this is one that, to be fair, is really good and really consistent. So mm. yeah, there's my number nine. There's Evil I Dead. Mean- the scene where he fights with his own hand in Evil Dead I mean, 2 is peak physical comedy. It is one of the funniest things I've ever seen. It's, it's There's just something about it where it's like, you know, you talk about like groundbreaking and stuff like that. The, the mix of comedy and horror back mm. then, you know, probably Beetlejuice influence somewhere, you know, all that kind of stuff. But uh, right, Michael, you're number nine. My number nine, um, similar kind of vein, actually. Romero's of the Dead trilogy. Yeah. Because um, yeah. I just feel like it spawned so much. Even if, like, you maybe don't like them because, you know, it's like by today's standards, they're maybe not as interesting if you're into modern zombie films. Um, but, like, the social commentary of it all and everything, mm. it's just a really good from every angle, especially when you consider the time period it's made in and how kind of groundbreaking it was, um, you know, and the kind of, you know, kind of our zombies, the monsters, our people, the monsters. And I get that's been done to death now, um, where, like, you know, people are the real monsters and stuff. But it is just, like, so good. And it's just, like, consistently, like, the remakes of it have been more modern, but they've never captured that same kind of, oh, the dead are coming back to life. This is terrifying kind of feeling that they had. Mm. Um, and yeah, and I, th- I think it's got to be, it's got to be up there, hasn't it? It's, that's, I think that's probably my most, cons- it's not my, actually, it's not my most, it's one of the most consistent on my list though, definitely. What did you think of the Snyder reboot of Dawn of the Dead? Um, it's all right. I, 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 I like it. Action it. You know, but I, I loved I, I, it, but it isn't. It isn't the original. Yeah, no. it, it just isn't. 
there's a lot more action in it. And I think the stakes feel high. It feels a lot more tense. Mm-hmm. And it feels a lot more like things could go wrong any second. That zombie baby yeah, is terrifying as well. Oof. I think that's more because like filmmaking had come a long way between yeah. them. Yeah. You know, he's... had you know, Romero had access to the same kind of years of knowledge we had by that point, I reckon he'd have done a better job. I don't know, Diary of the Dead is pretty because that was a George Romero one and that was that's trying... the found the found footage. The thing, found footage one, but it definitely isn't found footage because this cameraman is <laughs> way too good at his job because he's perfectly framing and focusing everything. Like because there's films that do get around that, which there's no point getting into now because it's off topic. But like, and you mentioned the social commentary as well. It was cleverer than just, because everything does harp on about, oh, what's the real monster? Like, there is something inherently funny in Dawn of the Dead, in brainless monsters just going around a mall. That's really funny. There is something quite poignant about the ending of Night of the Living Dead, where those sheriffs who were probably slightly racist shoot the black guy at the end of it and then day of the dead is just is it tom savini who did the effects with him it seems very tom savini because he's like he's like hollywood legend for like blood and guts and gore i'm pretty sure day of the dead was just they said to tom savini just have some fun lad because the effects in day of the dead are hilarious like that one guy getting his head ripped off and his voice getting higher and higher as his vocal cords get stretched (laughs) The main antagonist, I can't remember his name, but Buck shoots him and then he gets ripped in half and then he's saying choke on them when the, when the zombies are eating his intestines. Like, yes. <laughs> uh, Sam, you're number nine. So number nine's already been up. Michael Adam is his number ten. It's going to go for Blade. Again, nice. this kind of trilogy going through my life. I think like it came out in 98, the first one. I was yeah. definitely too young to go to the cinema to watch it in 98, <laughs> but I suppose... This was the closest I could get in 98 to something that felt a bit like, and we can't have it in our trilogies, and if people have then, The Matrix, I suppose, like, obviously had the big leather coat. The, the, the effects were very similar in 98 to The Matrix in 99, and, all that, and then Matrix was obviously a lot more groundbreaking, but you remember, like, Blade jumping from roof to roof. It kind of had that kind of, it kind of had the, kind of the, the same feel as the start of The Matrix. It was very dark. It's very dingy. Um, a yeah, lot and then obviously David S. Gower wrote it, um, who's probably going to come up in some of our lists later on, kind of in the thing. I think, like you've already mentioned, it was kind of like a lot of people's kind of early career, the Blade trilogy. Like you've already mentioned, Del Toro directed number two. Um, David S. Gower came back and then directed number three as well as writing it. Um, so I feel like, yeah, then like, we've already mentioned Ryan Reynolds and obviously the career he's gone to add. Obviously, he was in Two Guys, A Girl and a Pizza. I don't plates and all that. Two of you, you might be too young to remember that little comedy. <laughs> I've got the DVDs in the next room. I mean, the more <laughs> Amy's thing, but yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so it's already been mentioned. So it's up there, number nine. Nice, nice, nice. One already crossover. I did think we might end up with quite a bit of crossover on these lists. So well, it's not that many high quality trilogies to be fair. Well, this uh, <laughs> this is why we're better off doing niche stuff so we can have a crossover. Um, Oli, your number nine. Um, I hear your point, Adam. I really do. Oh, for God's sake. But the Raimi Spider-Man trilogy. Oh, okay. okay. The Raimi Spider-Man trilogy. Like, I agree. Number three is a big drop-off. And I'm not sure what it is. It is almost like they got a bit tired. But the good stuff in number three is still fantastic. 
So clearly, Sam Raimi wanted to focus on Sandman and was told not to by a studio. That's obviously what happened, because when you look at that formation of the Sandman, that scene where it's just like very soft music and he's willing himself into existence because he's looking at the picture of his little girl after he's been turned into sand by very negligent scientists. Oh, there's been, a, there's been, there's been <laughs> an increase in the mass of, a, of roughly um, 100 kilograms because it's you know, roughly the size of a very jacked Thomas Hayden church. Nah, it's probably a bird. <laughs> it's one of the New York pigeons. Yeah, it's, yeah it's, just one, it's just one of those ostriches that come in and out of... Like, but like that scene in like on its own is fantastic. But like, and then the first two, the first two Spider-Man films. I remember watching that first Spider-Man film. I think that was the first time I had personally seen a comic book properly come to life. Like one of the first comic book film I'd seen, I think the first one I'd seen was Batman and Robin. But I was a bit too young to really appreciate that it looked like a comic book at all or that it was actually a really terrible film and <clears throat> i just remember seeing this and i thought this this is what a superhero film should be and for better or worse we don't have the mcu without this this was a bit of a blueprint to build on and perfect for admittedly much better superhero titles that would come in the future a couple of which i'm going to mention uh, soon, I'm sure Adam's going to mention at least one of them, uh, but but um, yeah, just Green Goblin, unbelievable. Doc Ock, that train sequence in number two, like it just it still hasn't been topped. That train sequence in number two still has not been topped in a Spider-Man film for an action set piece. It's unbelievable. You know what? In a few years' time, if we did this list again, Spider Verse would be. Like tippity top, I'm sure. Would it though? Because across is getting a two parter, so you're counting that as the trilogy. Yeah, because it's three films then. Right, but like, are you thinking they wouldn't just keep going? No, I don't know. (laughs) I still need to watch Across. If we did it again before they did a fourth one, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Uh, Right, getting into our number eights, Michael. You're gonna kick us off your number eight me uh, i've got one that might be a bit rogue i don't know um austin powers trilogy i'm gonna i'm, I'm just gonna people... i'm gonna just jump ahead now also my number eight austin powers <laughs> <laughs> i just um, think it it is yeah. so fun and again mm. problematic by today's standards in parts like i fully get that and it's one of those things where i, I don't really care because it is just fun to watch and it is just a really enjoyable film um, and I do think it is consistently good. That's the problem. Hey? <laughs> no, I think film. I think it is because none of them are amazing, but they're all fun. Like mm. none of them are groundbreaking cinema. There's no, none of them are ever getting nominated for anything other than maybe a Razzie. But <laughs> like you know, they they are really really fun to watch, and I think he as a character stays consistent, mm. um, and the, the like beats of it stay quite consistent. Um, which I think is what you want in a trilogy like this. You do want now and again. You want a trilogy you can just go and watch and have a laugh, and that that's it. That's all it has to be. Doctor Evil remains one of the funniest characters in film. Oh yeah, I love Doctor Evil in particular. Just everything he says is funny. Yeah, 
I mean, I I, when, when, say again. I was going to put this on my list, but then I went back on rewatch number one, like literally last week because yeah. I only got a lot of time off, and I was just like, I don't know why I found this funny when I was like 15 <laughs> years old because it's just not funny now. Well, when Michael mentioned Naked Gun and said, I don't think it's... Oh, no, it was Police Academy and said, I don't know, I don't think it's aged well. I did look at my list and I thought, has Austin Powers aged well? Possibly not. Um, it's, it's aged better than you think. Like, yeah, It's aged better not... than Police Academy has. Yeah, um, definitely. Because I've mean... seen the Austin Powers trilogy quite recently. Georgia loves them. Um, but yeah, it is... They, they are just dumb. Like, and yeah. if you go into it knowing that they are dumb lampooning parody films like when you compare it to everything else in the show in the genre and you compare it to like the scary movies of the world and the epic movies well, and it's, the superhero it's the movies. best of its kind absolutely By like, a long it's way it's the best of, of its thing, kind it is so much better than yeah like because like super or the other whatever movie mm. this is the one that did took that concept and did it really really well and there's that one scene in the first one where he where uh, what's it? Uh, Liz Hurley's character gets like really drunk in the, the in the uh, Vegas suite with him, yeah. and he like starts getting really sad because he realizes he's he's completely removed from his time and he doesn't belong. And he goes down to the bar and he like holds a drink up, cheers to those guys, and they just laugh at him. And it's just it's really sad. Like you don't get that in other parody movies. And then he takes however long trying to turn around in the hallway, and then it cuts to the henchman's family after he very slowly gets murdered by a steamroller, like. <laughs> Great it's comedy. Like Goldmember has one of the best opening scenes with just yeah. all these cameos and just being yeah. so meta of it's like yeah. Oh, one cool. of them is Kevin Spacey though. That's one thing that hasn't aged well. Uh, <laughs> uh, this is like uh, Sam mentioned like ones growing up and all that kind of stuff. I remember these films being released, and I remember the second one being released and being nine years old and it being like, oh, you can't say that word that's in the title of that film. Yeah. Because that's a bad word. Um, and then 2002 coming around and Goldmember being a 12 certificate. So it's like, I can go and watch this in the cinema and mm-hmm. go and watch in Goldmember. And it just being that sort of daft trilogy that like my dad really liked because my dad's pretty young anyway. So like as I'm 10, he's only 29. So he's watching Buddy, you know, all, all these Austin Powers films and stuff and mainly watching them through him in that we used to go to a video shop on a Friday night. And he'd, we'd rent two films, one that he'd watch, one that we'd watch, me and my sister. But then in the morning, because he'd still be in bed, we'd then watch his film. So it was yeah. how we ended up watching everything, really. <laughs> um, also in the third one, like, obviously they bring Michael Caine as the dad. And at the end, you get a proper, like, EastEnders doof-doof ending. <laughs> you know, I'm here to protect my son. I don't need any help. No, not you. And then you really want to come afterwards. It's just, it's just so good, so silly, but so good. I agree. I totally agree. So your eight and my eight. More after it, though, did it? Mike Myers kind of disappeared after these films. Oh, he tried to do so much. Like the love, yeah, yeah. He did do a a little prodigy called Shrek. I don't know if you heard of that. That did all right. (laughs) Fairly well. Maybe he just lives off the money that he makes from Shrek. Probably. Probably, oh, yeah. Probably well, which is yeah. mad considering it wasn't meant to be him originally either. Well, yeah. Um, Sam, your number eight? Yeah, number eight again. Already been up, so we are definitely on crossovers. So I'm obviously on the original Spider-Man Tobey Maguire trilogy. Yes! Um, I feel like it has to be in there very much. Like Ollie said, it's like, it is like that, that kind of blueprint to Marvel as it is now. I think lots of 
lots of things spawned from that. I remember it, it, it changed cinema, number one, because like you couldn't go to it because it was a 12. So they had to make up the 12A certificate in England. So people Sorry, Sam. Sorry, film. Sam. Sorry, just, just so, to, you know, your, your Mandala effect. Uh, the first 12A film was The Born Identity. Was it? Yeah, yeah we've thought about this. Have you? Well, there you go. That's what I thought it was. This the Bond identity. Really. Yeah, every everyone thinks it's this. Everyone thinks it's Spider Man because really, I think it's because everyone kicked up that. a fuss for this though. Like, yeah, I don't this was think the one where it was like I have to go and take my kids to watch it, and it's yeah. like oh, I can't do. And that, yeah, I don't Born think many identity people like to take their ten-year-olds to attend Spy Thriller. Similar times. Yeah, <clears> same year. Yeah. yeah, the same day. Uh, probably not the same day. I'll have a look. You carry on. Like, you know what I mean? So I think like maybe maybe the bar identity got that off the back of Spider Man, or, or have we done too much research into this? No, no. Um, here we go. Right. So it doesn't matter that it was the first one. Maybe, but it might have been the one that changed it. Yeah. Born you... identity was June two thousand and two, so it was definitely before Spider Man because I think Spider Man was July. Um, no, I watched it in June. Did you? Yeah, I watched it in June. Spider Man because it was for my birthday. All right, give me a minute. <laughs> Man Googles things. <laughs> well, Unless I got some weird like pre-screening because it was my birthday. Because I remember I've told you it was at some weird like proscenium arch cinema. Like it oh, looked yeah. like they, they, it looked like they put a projector screen up in a theatre. So <laughs> it could have been like a, pre- a preview screening of some description. Uh, see, well, Wikipedia has it. So before the film's BBFC theatrical release in June 2022, BBFC gave it the Mandela effect. No, I'm sure it was Born Identity. No, I don't think. Well, anyway, it's on Wikipedia. It must be true. It must be true. If it's on Wikipedia, yeah, true. It must be. Yeah, I think I wrote that just now. So, (laughs) (laughs) so because actually, right. So I'm just I'm reading this here now, right? So it says. Uh, BBFC gave it a 12, arguing that it could have been given a 15. Despite this, North Norfolk, Brecon District Council's East Anglia changed it to a PG because it all comes down to the council. Wait, 15? Uh, yeah. They, no, no, BBFC said they could have given it a 15. Um, and then Thameside Council yes. denoted it as a PG 12, <laughs> like whatever that is. Uh, and then in late August, the BBFC relaxed its policy to 12A, leading Sony to... Do you even get 12 film. films anymore? No, it's all 12A, now. They're all 12A, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, Sam, yeah. if you want to carry on about... Yeah, and then, and then number, number two, I think, like, we've mentioned, obviously, how amazing that film is anyway, is probably the better one of the trilogy. But if you, you go back and listen to the soundtrack, it's probably my favourite soundtrack of all time. Like some of the artists on there kind of again come out whenever it came out, two thousand and four did it come out something like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, like that was kind of very much the music I was very much into, very much into today. And the the soundtrack it's got like I don't know I've got a dashboard confessional on there, we've vindicated. It's got Yellow Card on there, it's got Uber Stang on there. They're just totally ignoring Hero by Nickelback from the first one. No, it's not Nickelback. It's not Nickelback. It's Chad, it's Chad Kroger and Josie Scott. Thank you very much. Uh-oh. But yeah. um, the second is Nickelback one... more than Chad Kroger, though. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. he's the yes. Like, the lead guitar, the lead guitarist, like a seen... way better singer. <laughs> Daniel Adair, when he used to, well, no, actually, he still drums for them. Is an amazing drummer. Ryan Peak vocals and some stuff as well. Um, but second. <clears throat> soundtrack album 
um, ordinary by train. That's yeah. a banger. This, this I could I could literally list it because I think too, I was like on started university then, and I think like I just I don't I'm a mini disc player like there and back to university every single day when I was walking because it was just such a classic. It was it was such a good soundtrack. So yeah, yeah, and then number three, it is what it is, isn't it? You know what I mean? We all went and saw it. Probably all left a little bit disappointed. They'd obviously got Venom very, very wrong in that film. And I think that's where like the kind of the downfall of that film is. But overall, the, the three of them together, I think, make the list that number eight. Nice. Well, nothing if not educational. So according to the BBFC, so the distributor of Spider-Man decided to re-release the film immediately after the introduction of 12A so that fans in parts of the country where local authorities had not changed the rating had a chance to see the film in cinemas. BBFC had announced its decision to change the category in September 2000 because it recognised that children were going up faster and parents were better placed to decide what their children should watch. And then this is on the Spider-Man page on the BBFC website. It says, for the record, the very first official 12A rated film was The Born Identity. So really, yeah, Spider-Man's the one it really mattered for. Spider-Man was the one that yeah. they kind of did it for. Again, because no, they had to no, wait for the re-release window. No eleven-year-olds wanted to go and see the Born Identity. Mm. Exactly. <laughs> <What's> <laughs> <Matt> Damon? <laughs> dressed Red dressed Damon. up in the Born Identity costumes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> also, that would have made the list. I think if it didn't make the number four, and then that <laughs> Jeremy Renner one. But, but to be fair, it's literally that's a legacy sequel because it is literally called the Born Legacy. <laughs> the Jeremy Renner one is, but then the 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 like the fifth one that had Matt Damon and he's just Jason Bourne. So I completely forgot about that film. There you go. There you <laughs> I completely go. forgot about that. <laughs> um, right, I've done mine. Ollie, you're number eight. Um, more Spidey because we're doing MCU Spidey. This was originally my Captain America slot, but. MCU Spidey has got to be in there. I sure. this is the one trilogy because usually the second film in a trilogy is my fi- oh Adam's shaking his head, he's upset it's, about something. It's too low. Nah. No Way Home is by some distance my favorite Marvel film. I love Homecoming, and I'm surprised you don't love Homecoming because it's if John Hughes did it. You know <laughs> how much I love Homecoming. How many times <laughs> have I got to say if John Hughes directed a superhero film, that's Which what has- it would be. Between No Way Home and Homecoming, it's just great. It's peak Marvel and everything I actually really, really like about Marvel. Like, initially, Adrian Toomes was my one of my favourite um, Marvel villains, you know, the idea that he was actually quite relatable, the idea that it, it was a nice little come down from, you know, all of this world-ending stuff that it was quite localised. I actually really liked that about the first film. And then Far From Home, there's a lot I do like about it, but it is just missing something for me, but I don't know what it is. But I like uh, Jake as Mysterio. Nice little nod to the idea that he was slated to maybe play Spider-Man if Tobey Maguire's back hurt him a bit too much. Um, But he plays a really good Mysterio I don't like his backstory being for Tony Stark. We've talked about that to death, though. And then No Way Home manages to make Willem Dafoe's Green Goblin the best Marvel villain. And I will fight anybody who disagrees with that. He is the most engaging villain to watch across Marvel just for that one scene where Spidey, Tom Holland, jumps up, probably really does it because he's a gymnast and he did a backflip when he didn't need to for some reason. 
Like they were like, yeah, we'll just edit that in. And he did his own backflip. It's like, oh, okay. And he probably jumps up onto a stunt double's head, starts punching him repeatedly in the head, and Willem Dafoe just looks up at him and laughs. And to this day, I get chills thinking about that one scene. No Way Home is probably going to remain my favourite Marvel film forever. I don't think it gets topped, ever. And Homecoming was great. Far From Home was just a bit of a dip. It's still a very well-made film, objectively. It's maybe the funniest of the three, with Ned and his holiday romance. I think me and Adam loved that when we talked about the Marvel tier list. It was like, yeah, we've just gone our separate ways. You know, <laughs> things die, Peter, and that's okay. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you're shaking your head, Adam. It is. I'm only shaking my head because, and just, just to make this thingy, I don't disagree that you've got it in your list. I disagree where you have put it. You didn't like Spider-Man that much anyway. Oh, no, you think it's no. too low in my list? Yeah. Right, well, you're not going to disagree with the next one. The one after that, you will. And then most of the ones after that, other than one that's contentious, you'll be like, I get why you put other it Other than there. one that's contentious. So like in your top five, you've got another contentious one. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's made up a film again. The three what? films that I watched at the Roxy Cinema in June 2002. <laughs> Let's just throw them in there. Jesus it's... Christ. All three of these films have a character with blue eyes. Yeah. <laughs> blue eyes children. <laughs> They're so dreamy. Uh, right, Sam, you're number seven. Oh, that's good that you bugs me, because my number seven is also Spider-Man, the home series. Oh, it's yeah. too low. It's not too low. I think, like, when you start... When I was looking last night, when I had my full list out, I was like, I don't know where I'm squeezing, squeezing these rest in. I think, like, when... Definitely a couple of mine down here you'll probably definitely disagree with, but it is what it is, and I suppose... Is 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 it is it as good as the first? What? Yeah, definitely. Um, number one is 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 very good. Apart from there's a lot of running. I remember watching number one, thinking there's a lot of running in this film. There's a part of the film where he does a lot of running just just down did, the road. Did seems. Tom Cruise direct this? So like, yeah, exactly. I was like, this is why is he just not using his webs? I don't understand. Because but... the houses aren't tall enough. Because so he's in a golf course. Yeah, it was just a lot of running though. <laughs> You know, I mean, I I played the Spider-Man game, mate. You can just put them and it works. Get your web wings out. Yeah, exactly. Again, number two is 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 good. It's just it is there is something about it, and putting that finger on it is is not quite there. I think it is more that the baddie is is not not really not got any kind of superpowers. I suppose he's probably the kind of he's probably the. He's not Peter's villain either. He's Tony's villain again. Like he hasn't got that connection. I was worried that it was almost like um, a Mandarin rug pull. Yeah, but I think this that. one, this one does it a bit better. Well, Mysterio is a, is a Mandarin rug pull anyway. That's his yeah. whole character. He is a fake. Like if you know anything about Mysterio, you know that he wasn't actually from this other planet. Yeah, whatever. But and then and then number three, obviously, when you watch out the cinema and when they all when when Tommy Wire first comes through the portal. I think like the, the actual being in the cinema people for a very long time going like cheering essentially while you're watching a film in the cinema, you don't get that many times. And I think that that for me is just like just classic. When Andrew Garfield catches Zendaya. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. With like a nod to the amazing Spider-Man number two, which again, no like obviously these number three obviously got pulled because obviously the MCU came along and spied up they bought Spider-Man in terms, in terms of the MCU, and that's a shame. For kind of Andrew Garfield, because I feel is is Spider Man's work. 
were probably would have made this list of the number three would have came out. So, to be fair, me and Ollie said this when we did our Spider-Man run through before No Way Home. We said that actually on a rewatch, they got a lot of flack and they really didn't deserve it. They because... deserve some of it, but yeah, they really got overhated. But again, like that central relationship between Andrew Garfield's Peter Parker and um, Emma Stone's Gwen Stacy is the most believable of any of the ones that we've had. You saw, yeah, you see hints of that in No Way Home, like... Tom Holland and Zendaya at that point, their chemistry was really good, probably because they were actually I wonder why. <laughs> similar to Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone. Um, but yeah, like their relationship. Yeah. And just well, that moment of like you called it redemption as well, Adam, and I liked that when he actually caught him. Like, are you okay? It's like, yeah. Are, are you, you alright? Okay? <laughs> I just I wept for him. It's so <laughs> sweet. Uh right. Seven, Ollie. I tell you what, Ad. <laughs> I tell you what. If you were worried that this, uh, my last one was too low. Oh, oh no. <laughs> um, I'm going to refrain from talking about it for now because, let's face it, listeners of Farron film, we all know this is going to come up very, very high up on Adam Adam Farron's list. It is the Dark Knight trilogy. <laughs> it's the Dark Knight trilogy. So I, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave my commentary on it for when Adam talks about it, so that it sounds like I love it more than putting it seventh. Because all I will say about it is it is a fantastic trilogy. It is a fantastic trilogy. I just think I find six that I prefer. This is my revenge for every time you told me that it's acceptable Never. for Gemma to put Despicable Me at number 10. It's our own list. We can do what the hell we want. <laughs> um, to be oh, fair, man. I know there's a trilogy coming up that you are going to be shocked as to where I put it. So I might get yeah. a little bit of... So this is my preemptive this. revenge. Oh, when you realise that I've just not got any of the Star Wars trilogies in my... <laughs> any of them? Not any of them. What? <laughs> you definitely deserve this then you know how much I hate Return of the Jedi oh my god that's a disgrace I don't care I've got films I hate in like most of my <laughs> trilogies so far <laughs> um, my number 7 is one that Sam mentioned on his honourable mentions Um, it's the Star Trek more recent 3 the Chris Pine star in Star Trek 3 right so that you remembered yeah, but the seminal sci-fi piece of filmmaking ever you forgot. Hey, nothing surprised me more than watching that first Star Trek film and actually liking it because I I thought it was like you had to be Team Star Wars or Team Star Trek, and I thought for whatever reason I was Team Star Wars because I liked pod racing. So when I actually watched this, you know, it really surprised me how much I enjoyed it. I quite like Into Darkness as much as I think there was an issue around. We're gonna call Benedict Cumberbatch's character John Harrison, but then he's actually Khan and, and all that's that kind of just stuff. The audience, yeah, it's like it's a bit. Looks at him at that point, it's like what? Yeah, <laughs> he said bit... that like it means something. It's a bit contrived, you know. And then the third one, to Sam's point as as earlier, it does feel like a dip. To me, it feels like an episode. It feels like a sort of throwback for the fans of this is what an episode of the show might have felt like. I prefer um, the third one for the second one. No, I, know, I think people do. I think some people do um, because it's going back to that sort of quirky aesthetic, whereas I feel like Into Darkness was, pun intended, trying to be dark. 
There just wasn't as much shark jumping as well. Well, yeah. Like, you didn't have a character die and then immediately be resurrected. You didn't have a piece of technology that just broke Star Trek lore. He had that portable transporter. It's like, right, so there's no need for the Starfleet anymore. Yeah, yeah. Um, (laughs) Because you could just hold um, a a transporter or whatever it's called. Yeah, Beyond has um, a villain issue in that the Idris Elba villain is weak. Yeah. it It just doesn't work. Um, but I think the ensemble is fantastic. Like Zachary Quinto as Spock is superb and like perfect casting, you know. Um, Cal Penn, Anthony Elchin, Zoe Saldana, like everybody using it, Simon Pegg, like it all works, everything works, everything clicks, and they are much better than I think people give them credit Cal for. Penn. Yeah, I didn't know Cal Penn was in it because I, 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 I know the guy who plays what's the guy who plays Cal sorry, Cal I've got them mixed up. Yeah, the other one. Yeah, Sulu's in it. Yes, the other one. I did think. <laughs> like, where's Cole Penn? I was like, I didn't realize Harold yeah. and Kumar were both no, in No, no, only Trek. one of Harold or Kumar. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's my number seven. Michael, what's your number seven? Uh, my number seven is one that's already been, um, it's not, it's been mentioned, but I haven't been on his list yet. Uh, Back to the Future. Just because. So again, I think it depends when you watch things. I think sometimes, and I think I was just at the right age when I watched it that it just became like a seminal film. It became one of those things that I think I'll always enjoy and I'll always like watching. Um, and yeah, and I just I don't know. I don't know if there's much. I think everyone's already said all the everything about it, but for me, I think it deserves to be in the top ten. My favourite bit is watching that stunt in number two that either nearly ended or definitely ended the stunt woman's career. Hey, so there's the bit where I think it's in the in the 2015 section, a bunch of the bullies go flying through a window, and one of them catches the brick wall on the way through, and it makes the cut. And she broke so many bones, and it's in the film. <laughs> oh, oh boy. Uh right, number six is then so last one of this first part. Uh, Ollie, you're going to kick us off with your number six. Um, you're. I don't know how much you'll care about. You'll probably be annoyed that this is above the other two, <sighs> uh, but I don't care. Um, it's the Star Wars sequel trilogy. Yeah, of course it is. <laughs> there is much. Because... Hang on. So you hate Rise of Skywalker? You hate with a passion, it. yes. It was your number one worst film of all time, and you put that yes. above the Dark Knight trilogy. Yes, because you, my this... friend, are pissed <laughs> because this, this trilogy has two good films, and Dark Knight has one. <laughs> wow. I, I mean, even that that's a bold thing. As much as you don't like Rises, for you to just discredit Batman Begins is another. Uh, like... We'll talk about it when whatever, we whatever. Talk about at the end of next episode like i get it because it but yes rise of skywalker is my least favorite film ever because of the potential i thought seven and eight had built up and i know a lot of people disagree with this i know a lot of people cry about number eight oh that ruined star wars they got luke skywalker wrong they did this wrong they did that wrong no they didn't they just didn't do what you wanted them to do with luke skywalker you wanted luke skywalker to be completely infallible you wanted him to have sick abs and also an m60 machine gun in one hand while he had his lightsaber in the other and also he gets a girlfriend and he's just an absolute chad because you've built up this image of him in your head from 1983 when you last saw him in a film the fact is it's 
beautifully written as a character. I don't like the idea that he has that one moment of weakness because he's prone to that. Because at the end of the day, yes, he's a Jedi, but he's human and he is prone to fear. He is prone to negative emotions still. He's not immune from it. It's his ability to combat that. And I understand as well, because people are like, oh, he wouldn't have run away. I understand why being or feeling like you are responsible for the deaths of several young people and or children would make you feel ashamed to the point where you'd want to run away. I love um, uh, Force Awakens. That just made me feel like a kid. That's what I imagine people who got to watch Star Wars in 1977 in the cinemas what they felt like and i remember just being so happy at the end of that um i remember feeling really similar in last uh, in last jedi I, I remember thinking that must have been vaguely similar to what it felt like for people to watch empire that kind of you know our heroes are at their weakest point but we have faith that they're going to come back and come back swinging um and then because people cried about last jedi because Ryan Johnson wasn't left with a lot of options other than to just disappoint everyone because JJ decided to put a mystery box into Force Awakens, we ended up with way too many course corrections. And I only hate that, like I said, I only hate Rise of Skywalker because I saw so much potential. And like you look at all the leaked stuff where it was Colin Trevorrow doing Duel of the Fates, that story would have continued on really well from the films we got, and it would have been fantastic. That would have been, you know, it wouldn't have been as good as the other two. It would have been The Return of the Jedi, that weaker one in the trilogy, but it still would have been unbelievable, especially compared to the absolute dumpster fire that we got. Um, I think the first two films are fantastic, and I've never heard a particularly compelling argument as to why Last Jedi is a bad film. I've heard compelling arguments as to why people don't like it, because there is plenty to not like. I don't like the stuff in the Casino Planet, Canto Bite, or whatever it's called. But the stuff with Ray and Luke and Ray and Kylo, um, a lot of the stuff to do with Poe, I really like all that stuff. It's quite a tense film. Um, but I've never heard a compelling that, other than people just crying about Luke Skywalker wasn't done right and Ray's too powerful. Like, we haven't seen Luke do stuff that no one has done in the other films before. Okay. I very much get on a hill with Last Jedi. Oh, oh you don't have to tell me. <laughs> I don't know how long were our Star Wars episodes. <laughs> Christ. Um, right, my number six. I don't know if this is contentious. I don't think it is. Um, Ghostbusters. Because this is the thing, right? You're not going to have considered it because the 2016 Paul Feig one is technically an alternate universe, so it doesn't count as canon. So then you've got Ghostbusters 1, Ghostbusters 2, and Ghostbusters Afterlife. So there's your trilogy. Is this gets... one of the ones you said won't be a trilogy in about a year? Yeah, it won't be. Yeah. What's up, Sam? <laughs> your connection there of making that a trilogy is like... Why? Just... They're connected. The original Ghostbusters are in all three films. It's very... The family that we follow in Afterlife are Egon's family. Just... It's connected. Just it's connected. Stretch the, stretch the world trilogy out and just thought... Well, boom, boom, boom. Well. We've all got Ghostbuster in the name somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> the first Ghostbusters is my favourite 80s film one of my favourite films of all time Right, I, I quite like the second one I know that the second one has issues um, and 
but Afterlife, people hated on Afterlife because they said it was too nostalgic and too fan service and all that kind of stuff. That's exactly what I wanted Afterlife to do. I wanted the fan service. It was me going back and watching Jurassic World again. And it's like the minute that you should, don't even roll your eyes. At Jurassic don't roll World. my eyes at Jurassic World. They're awful. Oh, whatever. I, I, I readed our um, billion dollar tier list the other day and the outrage that happened. Um, <laughs> but I, I just, if there's anything for me, I'm a sucker for nostalgia. That's all it is. And for me, these three, I love Ghostbusters. And then I loved it even more. I took Ruby to watch Wonka on New Year's Eve. And um, they played the trailer for Frozen Empire beforehand. And I didn't think she'd be that bothered at all. And as soon as it finished, she went, Dad, can we go and watch Ghostbusters? And I was like, yes. Yes, we can. <laughs> so, spoiler alert for the, my top 10 at the end of the year. If Ruby likes it, it's going to be Frozen Empire. So, <laughs> uh, But yeah, there's my number six. Contentious or not, that's the only one that I think you can argue with. Uh, Michael, your number six. My number six has already been mentioned. Um, Evil Dead. Hey. Uh, my introduction to Evil Dead was a bit straight. I played a game, I think on the PS2, called Evil Dead A Fistful of Boomstick. Yes, I remember A Fistful of Boomstick. Probably one of my favourite games of all time. It was just it was just so good. And I remember playing it, and there was loads of stuff I just didn't understand because it was referring to the films. So I was like, oh, I best go and like check these out. And I was like, 11, but my parents were irresponsible, so they let me watch them. Um, and they were just like, just fantastic. I think they were, the, again, I think what I've said before about the horror and comedy, because I've never liked horror, like pure horror movies. They've never really been for me. Um, but that, so the first one I remember being a bit like, oh, that's not as good as I expect it to be, but I'd, I'd heard the second one was better. So I kept with it. And then, yeah, Army of Darkness then as well follows it up, and it's just, it just gets more unhinged as it goes on, but it just like it's on purpose. It just kind of bends into becoming more unhinged, and I just enjoy it so much. Have you guys seen the alternate ending to Army of Darkness, where he's like, "I slept too long" because he had too much of the potion that like knocks him out for however long, so he gets back to the present day. But he sleeps for too long, and he ends up in like a post pop like just a ruined city. I don't think I have. Oh, it's so funny because it, it's just like typical hammy Bruce Campbell. You just like, you're like, he's got like really long hair and a beard. He comes out and he's like really hopeful, and then his face just turns to horror. And then the camera pans around and he's like on his knees, I slept too long. <laughs> like, just very typically mean spirited Sam Ray. I, I love as well that off the back of that, when he was given real money to make a film, like real money, when mm. he, um, because he said, Oh, I'm going to do Dark Man. Um, he wanted to cast Bruce Campbell as uh, Peyton, and the studio were just like, no. So they got Liam Neeson. <laughs> and then you end up with Dark. Liam Neeson and Francis McDormand as your main romantic I mean, couple. Check it. It's like, it. wow. Um, right, last one for number six, Sam. So I suppose that kind of ending this half of the podcast on probably a hot take, as you lot call it. <laughs> um, I have to put it in here, but I think probably a lot of you probably got it further down your list than I've got it. So I'm going to go for Lord of the Rings. What? Because for me, as much as when I'm going back to kind of how I grew up through film, I remember this obviously came out 2002-ish, one of them, around that time. There was a, no, I don't know the exact dates when they came out, um, but 
I remember I remember this again going to the cinema. I know that it happened before. I don't know when this happened, but obviously there was like it was literally an interval halfway through. Yeah, I had that one because it was just too long for some people to sit through. Because you weren't strong enough. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, so what it was. It was like it wasn't me. I could sit there all day. Um I remember absolutely loving the film. I remember Christmas time every year when they came out. It was like, oh my god, Lord, the, the cinema was absolutely jam packed. Like you don't get that much anymore, but like the cinema was just full. Like you had to sit in your specific seat, you no know, kind of going down to the AMC and sitting where you wanted. Um, and it was just like it was just pure pure love for watching them films. I think going back now, and the reason why it is so down high down the list for me. Is I just can't sit through them. I just I just can't rewatch them because they are just too long. And the more and more I watch of it, it's like they're just on a long walk, aren't they? For a lot of it, like if you're like the TikTok walk, generation, you We'll get you just, some subway surface clips. You can put underneath the screen. Ranking them, like watch number them. two, the two towers is just such is is my favourite of the three. Like that, the, the battle that in that is that. absolutely insane. Yeah, me but, too. <laughs> like if if I'm going off my list, and obviously when we got onto number five, you'd be like, "What? Why is this above this?" And certainly when you get down to the other ones, you'd be arguing. But just for me, as much as I love Lord of the Rings, and much as I love this kind of franchise, it's just it's just too long. I don't for me think now. you know what the word love means. <laughs> if I'll be I love the other ones better. Who had Michael down to have the angriest reaction of anyone? Like, because Adam's been ranting and raving, like, you know, frothing at the mouth with some of my takes. I've obviously died on a hill. Michael's ice cold rage right now is yeah, something it's a just... bit old. I mean, he's never been so disappointed in his friends as much as well, he is now. I haven't. If I ever didn't mention it, though, at all, you wouldn't have had that reaction. You would have been like, you would have we would, trust us. We would. We would. If you had got through the list and it wasn't there. We'd be like, where the hell is that? I mean, <laughs> I'm regretful that I've already told Ollie that Star Wars isn't anywhere on my list. Because yeah. mm. imagine mm. imagine so. him getting to number one and being like, well, surely it's Batman, but he's not said Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's number six. Fair point, fair enough. Um, that is a steaming hot take. I will give you that, Sam. <laughs> Well, that's it for part one for our 10 to 6s. Some hot takes have already gone on. Um, I am compiling a bit of a list of all the ones that have crossed over to try and do a definitive top 10 when we get to the end of it. Um, and we'll see We'll see where we are. Um, but thank you very much for watching. Thank you very much for listening. Stay safe, look after each other, and we'll see you on part two.